0: Welcome to Wides of Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom. Are my co hosts today, Brad Lyons and Jordan Sooty? Hi, Casey. Hello. Hi, Casey. How are you?
1: Good. How are you? Good. Good.
0: Well, today's topic is tax loss harvesting, which, I don't know, sounds very like we got to put our boots and jeans on. We got to go harvest. Right. But that's uh, sort of it. I, I think it's actually one of the topics that maybe sounds kind of boring, but I think most of financial advisors should be doing this inside their clients' portfolios. And I think, I don't know, I'll just guess. I'd say 60% probably don't do it. Don't even think about it, especially the small solo shops. probably never happens.
2: I wouldn't doubt that figure at all. Um, Also, you have the idea that the advisor has to admit that something has gone wrong in the portfolio. There's a (laughs) security that has lost value. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, and what we're really trying to do is we're trying to make lemonades out of of lemon here. Is that the right analogy? Well, I I don't even (laughs) think it's that.
0: I think if you look at a portfolio, I always tell our clients, we invest in long-term healthy asset classes. So if there's 14 different asset classes where stocks and bonds, large, mid, small, you know, et cetera, et cetera, then those move at different times and do different things. So if you think about the financial crisis, you had a year and a half to take significant losses in your portfolio, but, but what most people ended up doing was they took the losses, they they harvested the loss by liquidating the position and they never got back in. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. Tax, tax loss harvesting is is looking at a loss in your portfolio, selling it so you can write off the loss or assign it to a gain, so it's a wash, right? And then reinvesting it immediately into something else. We'll get into that in a minute. But that's that's the bottom line is just because you sell something doesn't mean it's bad. Now in individual stocks, I could see that. Maybe a mutual fund, like a fund manager's making bad choices. But an in index world, which is where we live, Vanguard, you know, index funds, you're gonna have periods where things underperform. And so you should take advantage of that. Right, Brad, Brad, you're in charge of that year wiser. <laughs> and that's what we did during COVID crash. We, yeah, we, we did. We panic. did take
2: advantage of those circumstances. Yeah. In the end, though, you know, I want to start from the reverse, from the, from the end of the story. At the end of the story, the portfolio is net net. What you had, you end up still having, okay, from an index standpoint. Right, right. Okay, and, and that's the point it's you're really not changing the composition of the portfolio you're taking advantage of a circumstance that has occurred in the portfolio in order to enhance your overall tax circumstance, but
0: the portfolio if done properly remains unchanged. So let's go let's go into a scenario I have a portfolio it's uh, 14 different asset classes and there's there's a loss in the portfolio. What, what's the max that I can write off on that?
1: Unfortunately, just $3,000. No just matter how big it is. Yeah, that's it. But. But whatever you don't take, you can carry forward. But. But. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was doing good on the first one. There. Yeah, I know. I was, I was like, wait I, I go. Well, she kept getting better. So I thought, uh, oh, well, let's just keep going. Um,
0: well, I guess my angle on it is is you also have gains out there. Right, right. right? yes. So, so if I sell something for a $50,000 gain... I have something else for a sixty thousand dollar loss. Right. I've wiped out my gain. Yes. And then I still have a ten thousand dollar loss remaining, of which I can only take three thousand dollars. Correct. But it'll just keep rolling for my lifetime. Is that correct?
1: Yes, indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Until you use it all up.
0: So okay. So that's that that's not a bad thing. Um that's something we often do with, with new clients. What we'll always do with new clients with individual brokerage accounts. So I always look at uh, schedule um, D, correct? D, yeah. I always looked at Schedule D to see if there's any capital loss carryover.
1: And they are, they do remain separate based on terms. So if it's short term capital loss carryover, it, that's one number, and then you have a separate long term. So that's something to be mindful of. If you have this massive short term carryover, but you have all these long term gains, they aren't going to net, mm-hmm. you know? So you've got to kind of finagle your tax loss harvesting to work for your advantage there.
0: So let's dive into that a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, you have short-term losses and you have long-term losses. So what is the difference between the two?
1: One year, that's it. So if you hold an asset for one year, it becomes long-term, anything less is short-term. Pretty okay. pretty simple. And yeah.
2: short-term has a different tax consequence.
1: Yes, short-term gains are taxed at ordinary rates, which cannot always be favorable to us. Whereas the long-term gains are taxed at much more preferential capital gains rates. So zero, 15, 20% based on your income levels.
0: So for many people retired, more than likely, their capital gains rate is very similar to their income rate.
1: Yes. And 15%, I think it kicks in at like 80K of income. And then 20% capital gains rate, it's it's massive. It's like 500,000.
0: Okay. And then there is a period of no capital
1: gains. Yes. Yeah. Up to $80,000, you have no capital gains tax on interest, dividends, and uh, capital gains. Yeah.
0: So if I make $60,000 a year and I sold a twenty thousand dollar investment twenty I had twenty thousand dollars in gains it mm-hmm. netted twenty thousand mm-hmm. then I would have no capital gains tax no
1: capital gains tax on that 20k correct
0: right on a married filing jointly yes right. correct yes yeah. correct yeah but if I had a hundred thousand dollar taxable gain and then I made sixty it's a hundred and sixty now what happens
1: you're moving into that Fifteen percent bracket. So now
0: it's all the whole thing's taxed at fifteen percent. There's not a portion that's zero. It's a hard cutoff. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. correct.
0: So that that's uh, that's why we have fancy software to help us figure this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, <bad>. yep. Because <laughs> yeah. there's so many yeah. moving parts. Right. You know, right. you think about taking gains. There's so many things that can be a- affected by that. You know, one capital gains, two Medicare. If you're over sixty-five, you could push yourself into a Medicare um, a premium increase. Right. right, which by the way is going up fourteen percent in twenty twenty two. I just read this. Wow, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's a whole different podcast, though. So we'll stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so yeah, you strategically you, you have to kind of think about this before right. you before you do
1: it. Right, and then there's even the even bigger tax, which is the net investment income tax, which kicks in at $250,000 for married filing jointly couples, an additional 3.8% on, and it's kind of a funny calculation. It's once you hit that 250, you're in, you're in the net investment income tax zone. And so it becomes, all right, how much is my income over 250? All of my income. So say your, say your AGI is $300,000. And of that 75 is um, net investment income. You're over 250 by fifty thousand dollars in total, versus your net investment income is seventy five thousand. You're going to be taxed three point eight percent on the lesser of those two. So in that case, since you're fifty over, you'll be taxed three point eight percent on fifty thousand of income. So it's just an additional tax that kicks in once you're a high income earner. Big capital gains come in, so it's just something to just started in mind.
0: with uh, Obamacare. Obamacare, right? yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Most retired people would not run into that twenty percent bracket. for it's safe to say that most would probably going to be fifteen percent right. on the um, on the capital gains tax rate. So that's good to know. That's good to know because if you if you take that during your working years, then it's going to be much much. It could be much much higher. Right. Okay. So let's go back to our portfolio discussion, and we think about uh, a situation. Uh, well, I think we've talked about it here in previous podcasts, but d- during the COVID crash in the market uh which is ends up being very temporary but at the time it doesn't feel temporary right right
2: you didn't know what <laughs> was gonna, next day was going to bring and that's the thing about that market movement is that you didn't know what was going to happen the next day but so you're making decisions based on what you know today yep. and as we went through that period in time you and i had conversations every morning casey if you recall is today the day that we rebalance the portfolios do we think it's going to go down any further? How much longer can we ride this for our clients and get the best advantage point for our clients' portfolios during this crisis? Not knowing what was going to happen tomorrow. So it was quite a discussion every single morning.
0: Yeah. It, and at that point, you're just guessing. We don't have any knowledge of course any more so than anybody else no. does. All you have um, is
2: experience. Yes. And what knowledge that you have what you're re- reading in the papers, what you're hearing on television, what you're getting from the media, okay? And trying to put
0: it together and making a decision. Yeah, I grew up this business in a in the financial crisis, oh seven, eight, nine. I actually bought this company in 07 from the original founder. <laughs> and yeah, I- We kept, have a thing I in that, our planning called yeah, bad timing. Yes, exactly, <laughs> That's, yeah, all right. Well, isn't that being good, great timing? Uh, Cause it was a great education. Uh, for me, I kept a journal during that time, and I actually pulled that back out during the COVID crash. And what I was telling my future self was, "You take advantages of, of situations like that." So yes, there were many tough conversations with longtime clients about, "No, this we're not going to jump ship." Nope, this is really not that much different than anything else we've experienced, it's just as a different cause. And what, what, what was interesting though is um, how many times I wrote in that journal take advantage of the situation because I was looking in hindsight. Another thing I said is keep cash reserves available too, which we've done that for two decades now. We've kept cash reserves available in all our retired portfolios. But um, the, the point being that uh, take advantage of the situation, we have a lot of clients that are very tax sensitive and we were able to sell out of the S&P 500 and buy the Vanguard large cap fund now, the reason why we sold of the S&P five hundred is because we're taking nearly a you know, from peak to bottom, what thirty percent loss or thirty two
2: percent drawdown, yes. Yeah.
0: So thirty-two percent drawdown from the top, and especially for someone who's a new who was a newer client at that time, that was a that was a big loss to take on paper. But we had other securities that we'd inherited in those accounts that uh, we did not want to have. The client didn't want to have it, but they didn't want to pay the tax bill. So we generated those losses to then be able to liquidate the other holdings, right? And then we repositioned all that back into the portfolio. Now, what you have to be careful of during this time period is what they call a wash sale. You can't just sell the stock and then go back and buy the stock the next day for a loss. That's a wash sale. And wash sale rules is you just get taxed on you don't get to write off the loss. and not that, that correct?
1: Right. That's correct. It'll no, be disallowed. There's right? no
0: penalty or anything like that. It's just not allowed. Yeah. So what we did was we bought something very similar. So you can't sell IVV, which is the S&P 500 and then go back and buy SPY, which is also the S&P 500. Okay. Two different funds, but it's the same underlying holdings. Right. So you can't do that. But what you can do is go buy VV, which is the Vanguard large cap fund, which looks a lot like, and the S&P 500. In fact, it tracks it very, very well, but it's not exactly the same set of stocks. And that worked out better than we'd hope because VV adopted Tesla, Tesla before the S&P 500 <laughs> did. So VV outperformed IVV, but I think it was nearly two and a quarter percent. Yeah, it
2: was well in, into that range over the long <laughs> be, period. Yeah, be,
0: because it adopted Tesla stock before, and I think Tesla was up eight hundred percent or something like that, something yeah. crazy. So mm-hmm. it moved, it moved up the index. The mo- you don't see that very often for one stock. The one stock moves the whole index. But this by in that case much. it did. Mm-hmm. So, so in, the, in our case, we were able to take a loss, move into VV, which is very similar to the S and P 500. We got a surprise bonus of Tesla, and then we were able to either A, create a a tax loss credit that will sit there available for us in the future, or we were able to liquidate something else and get everything in line with the the risk tolerance that we were after inside that portfolio. So that's using a crisis to your advantage. But even outside of that, there's there's still situations where, even if it's just a smaller loss, a three or $4,000 loss, it might be worth it to swap out a fund. In fact, what we do here is we have a complete shadow portfolio. (laughs) right it's we have our 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 core models but then we have kind of like backups well if we didn't have this one we'd have this one and that and that's how that works and and it works the same way in our flight path program uh through betterment except the computer does it instead of us where it's going to automatically tax loss harvest as it sees opportunities
2: yeah what you're referring to is a substantially identical security so in in the commingled fund world etfs and or mutual funds etc uh, you can find other securities that allow you to participate in that asset class that are similar but not substantially identical the substantially identical security comes in when when you're buying an when you own an individual stock for example you like the stock you have faith in the company but it's gone through a downturn and you've are, now have a loss in your security The ability to sell that, get a tax loss harvest, and if you want to remain in that stocks or company's asset class, you could buy a sector fund. You could buy something similar but not identical to remain in that, participate in that growth of that securities, at least sector, hold it for 30 days, sell it, go back into the individual stock that you were in realize the tax loss harvesting opportunity and 31 days later you're still a stockholder of that company so there are ways to do both where you can hold a stock tax loss harvest remain participating in the asset class but not the same identical company hold that for 30 days and on the 31st day sell it and buy back the regular stock that you were holding so that would be a method to
0: do yeah and i think we missed that earlier um you you added 30 days to that so if you sell security for a loss and you want to buy that security back and not be subject to the wash rule you have to hold you have to be out of it for For 30 30 days days in order to get back in that's right so some people will sell wait 30 days and then buy it back but you have some risk that you're missing out on market gain potentially that's right so that's that's where you want to make sure that you're um uh, you're buying something of 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 like kind right right and with sector funds i mean there's some sector funds that get down to like Thirty holdings or twenty-five holdings, you exactly. Can, you can almost replicate the position that you were in if it's individual stock position for right. sure. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I, I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, especially smaller firms that are missing this unless they've outsourced possibly asset management. It's something that DIYers uh, don't necessarily think about or have the confidence to do inside their portfolios, uh, but it actually adds to the rate of return overall. If, you know, it's hard to it's hard to tax basis, yeah, know, Absolutely at, yeah, correct. Now your IRA, you will not have to do any of this, right? Because it's all tax sheltered, right? We're only talking about brokerage accounts in this case, uh, but it's something to it's something to consider. Um, but yeah, your total return can increase, and it, it doesn't. We don't even reflect that on a statement, honestly, because you know you, you have to look at your, the tax side of it, right? Um, right.
2: But as an advisor, when we look at portfolios and compare that to the objective for the portfolio we become much more objective in our decision-making. As an individual, the DIYer, for example, we we gain an affinity for our holdings. You know, we we the longer we hold them, the more we believe in them. And it's harder and harder and harder to ever sell them because you're doing a couple things. You're admitting something went wrong. You're admitting you know, that a mistake was made perhaps when you bought it. Um, recognizing that you have to take action, which creates a decision in somebody's mind, not only to sell it, but then what do I do with the proceeds? Do I reinvest it? Do I something else? When you're dealing with an advisor who does tax loss harvesting, such as us, that objectiveness, you know, uh, that for the individual, um, our ability to be more objective, I want to say, takes over. We go ahead and take the loss, harvest it, Reinvest the proceeds and move forward from there. So, um, yeah. it, it's yeah, a huge and, difference.
0: And if you sell, if you take the loss in a stock and you turn back around and buy a bond, that's not a good idea no. because you're not going to actually gain anything back. Right. You just you, you you just did a rebalance of your portfolio, right. so to speak. But yeah. but a, a tax loss harvest the idea is that you you keep it in the same car. If you're in a if you're in a Porsche, you sell the Porsche and. You buy a uh, Lamborghini. Lamborghini. That's probably a bad effort. That's, that's probably uh, not apple, uh, apples to apples, but, but it you get back, the idea. <laughs> it
2: goes back to the, it's net-net to the portfolio. Correct. When it was in the asset class. You're still in the asset class. Right. Only now on your tax form, you have a loss to write off against gains and or income.
0: Here with our software, we, we do it like a targeted trade. So we were, we're simply going to pick uh, fund XYZ and, and swap it out for fund ABC right right and it'd be equal swap uh dollar wise Yes, so that that way you so you're out of the market for less than a few seconds
1: i remember when i first started working i had a 1099 in front of me and it was short-term gains and or proceeds and basis and it was like 25 million of proceeds and like 25 million of basis and i was like oh my goodness this person has 25 million dollars just out there in the market and you know behind it was 300 pages of transactions you know Right. so it's like this is exactly what happened you know it's it shown a net wash in the end but they were using losses to offset those gains so that they had really no gain in the end right. if not even a small loss to take yeah
0: exactly mm-hmm. it's a great way to help transition a portfolio in. all right i think we took care of that one good job guys well, that's a good job the conversation you know so yes awesome <laughs> see you next time <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore.